Those of you who, who know me, have been around the church here for a while, uh, knew that I grew up as a PK. How many know what a PK is? There we go. Some of you do. I grew up as a preacher's kid. You know, that word preacher, I, I, I hate it when people introduce me that, that way. I, I, I don't mind. I like being called pastor. But some, I, I've had times where people have said, this is our preacher. Nah, man, I, I do preach. But I don't like being called preacher. And, and growing up, I didn't like being called preacher's kid. You know, I was Steve, right? I, was, I wasn't just a preacher's kid. And, but my wife grew up an MK. How many know what MKs are? Missionaries kid. She grew up, she was born in Lima, Peru, and uh, her parents were missionaries to Peru. And uh, so she, I grew up a PK, and I'm a, I am a PK, and uh, she is an MK. That we're, we're, no matter what, that's something that sticks with us, and it's the, it's the life that we lived. And, but growing up as a PK, I want to tell you, I've seen and experienced about everything that you can experience in the church. I, I think I've seen it all. And uh, anything that you could imagine over the years, I've, I've, I've seen it because I grew up, I've grown up in the church. Doesn't mean that I didn't have my wild seed sowing time because I, I, I left and I walked away from God at times as a teenager. And, and, uh, but I was, a pre- I was a preacher's kid. I was a PK, grew up in the church. The Bible tells us that if you raise up a child the way he should go when he's older, he will not depart. That's something we declare over our children and grandchildren. Raise them up right. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you've got small children, grandchildren, keep raising them right. Keep raising because it's a promise in the Bible. But, you know, I, 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 growing up in the church, I've seen about everything. And, uh, you know, PKs are known for getting in trouble. And I was really good at it. I was really good at it. I did everything from swimming in the baptismal tank when no one was looking in my underwear. <laughs> and, you know, as a, as, a, as a kid, we'd go sneak into the baptismal tank and would swim. We used to sneak as a teenager, we'd sneak popcorn and candy and soft drinks into the church. When the missionaries would come and share their videos and movies, we'd sneak it in like we were going to a movie and... and and I even, as an older teenager, would chase girls in the church, you know. And so I'm just telling you. But fortunately, I chased the right one, and I ended up with, with one now for 43 years. And, and uh, she was one we met, amen. I hope she's watching this morning, you know. Um, but there, I learned a lot growing up in the church. There was an old book that was written years ago called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Anybody ever, ever hear that? I should write a book, or some of us should write a book. All I needed to know, I learned in church growing up, right? Because truthfully, it's, it, they're about the same. But in this book, Robert Fulgram, who wrote All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, he talked about some significant things that we learn uh, growing up. And I, will, I think these are things I learned in the church. And one of them that he wrote, this is out of his book, it's, one of them is sharing, playing fair, Putting things back where you found them. Cleaning up your own mess. (laughs) Washing your hands before you eat. I like this one. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. (laughs) That's kind of like when we do fasting around here. You know, we tell them, we tell everybody, chocolate is a vegetable. You know that, right? (laughs) Uh, But how about this last one? This was one he learned in kindergarten. I think it's really good for the church. When you go out in the world, watch for traffic, hold hands, and stick together. 
That's a good one for the church. See, I think all these apply to us in the church, but there's something that I didn't really understand growing up in the church. And I don't think a lot of Christians really understand this today, that the church is God's first and best plan for his children and the world. I'm going to say that again. The church is God's first and best plan for his children and the world. Now, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it and keep saying it until Jesus comes back. But when you hear people, when you hear people say, or talk about or have a philosophy that they don't need church, I don't need church. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing more antichrist and demonic than that philosophy that people don't need church. I'm going to tell you, because, why? Because it's God's first plan. It's not a plan. This is not a plan that man created. You read it throughout the Bible, and, and you can actually, you can read it in the New Testament. You go in the Old Testament, and there's references to the New Testament. What? About church. About the church. The church is God's plan A for his people. It's his plan A. I, want you, I told you to turn to Psalms. We're going to look at, at chapter 92. Psalms 92. It may take you a minute to get all the way over there. But Psalms 92, 12. I want you to understand, every one of us that are here that have given our hearts and lives to Jesus, we understand there's this thing called the plan of salvation. The plan of salvation includes, includes that an us accepting Christ, but it also includes finding our place in the body of Christ. If I, it, it, it speaks of finding your place in the church. Now, does that mean you're not saved or won't go to heaven if you're not in church? No, I don't believe that. I don't believe it, it means that at all. But I will tell you, I believe the plan of salvation and the life that Jesus led us to live includes growing in Christ. And the best place to grow in Christ is in his, I emphasize his, church. And I want you to understand that the Great Commission... The Great Commission cannot be accomplished aside from or without his church. His mission, his purpose cannot be accomplished in the earth without his church. Because the church, the church is God's first and best plan for the world. Are you hearing me, church? I want to continue today. We're continuing in the message series that we titled God First. And, uh, you know, years ago, there was a, a book that Rick Warren, how many know who Rick Warren is, right? That Rick Warren wrote, it was a, I mean, it's a, it's been a New York bestseller for a long, 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 long time. But he wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Amen. The first words in his book were words that I think every Christian has to come to understand and every Christian has to reconcile in their heart. Every Christian is probably going to grapple with it. But the first words were the, so powerful. And here's what they were. It's not about you. Amen. You see, in the day that we live, the time and the season we live, we want everything to be about us. What makes us happy and about what fulfills me and how I can get, do this and how I can do that. But those words were powerful in that book, and he's talking in that book about a purpose-driven life, about God's purpose for your life. And the first thing you have to understand 
if you want to understand that, is it's not about you. It's not about you. Putting God first means his will, his plan, his desires have to be first. That's what this series is about. Today's message that I'm talking about today is, it's a question. What about God's family? What about God's family? So Psalms, we look at Psalms 92, 12. And I'm going to read, start reading at verse 12 here. It says, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in their old age. I'm going to emphasize that because I'm going to tell you, there's this, the, the idea of retirement is great for the business world, it's great for the jobs and all that stuff, but there is no such thing as retiring from the body of Christ, retiring from God's purpose in your life. And he says in verse 13, they shall, shall still yield fruit in their old age. In old age, they shall be full of sap and very green. What that's saying is they will be, in their old age, they will be fertile and they will flourish. Amen? Verse 15 says, to declare that the Lord is upright. Say this with me. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, today. God, I thank you for your word that feeds and nourishes us, that encourages us. And God, may we respond this morning to your word by opening our hearts, our spiritual ears to hear what it is you have to say. Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us. You are welcome in this house to speak and to move and to do whatever you want to do in spite of our resistance at times, in spite of, of the things that we do. God, you are welcome here today. Speak to our hearts. Change our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Throughout the Bible, the church is described in three ways. Each of these three images I'm going to share with you today emphasizes different aspects of what it means to be a part of the fellowship of believers. Say fellowship of believers. Boy, that was really bad. Say fellowship of believers. Amen. That's a little better. That's commonly known as the church. The fellowship of believers is, is the church in the earth. How many of you know People sometimes misunderstand this and don't understand that the church is also in heaven. Church, the church is represented in heaven. It's called the great cloud of witnesses. Ever, have you ever heard of the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12? And, and we are surrounded by such a great cloud. What is that? It's the church. We're the church in the earth and the great cloud is the church in the heavens. You don't... You don't somehow escape the church when you go to heaven. We're, we're part of this thing always in Jesus' name. But the earth, the church in the earth is, is, is in the Greek is, is called the ecclesia. You could say that, ecclesia. 
See, you know Greek. <laughs> I'm, teaching, I'm teaching Greek, and I don't even know it, but I knew some words. Ecclesia is word, and it's called called out. It means called out. Now, it doesn't mean we're called out to become separate from everything in the world. That's another misconception. Ecclesia means to be called out of the mindset and ideologies of the world. To be called out. Jesus says, you have the mind of Christ. See, that word called out means we're called out of the systems and mindsets of the earth. We're not to be, we're not to be overrun. We're not to be taken uh, aback by them. We're not, we, we know what we see taking place in the world. We should expect it because the Bible talks about it. But we're called out. But we're not called out to be separate and to, to be better than or anything like that. Because why? Our job in the earth as the Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We can't separate ourselves from that. But that's what the church is called. It's the called out. It's the called out of the world's mindset. So I want to give you over the next few minutes three biblical images of the church. And the first image of the church is the church is a body. The church is a body. You hear us talk about it all the time. And, you know, there's churchy phrases like we talk about our walk. Well, we're talking about our walk with God, right? We talk about the body of Christ. Well, the church is a body. Paul writes in Colossians 1.24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I do not share on behalf of his body, which is the church. The body of Christ is the church in the earth. The, the body, Jesus' body, if you will, the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ in the church. The church is a body. He speaks of the body as, as collectively as the church. There's church little c, and that's us, new life right here. We're church little c. There's church big C. That means speaking of the church around the world. How many know that this thing called the church is all over the world? Amen. Amen? And, it's, and it's changing the world. We may not see it all the time, but people are being saved. Lives are being changed. People are being healed. Why? Because of the church. And I'm going to tell you, this community and this city has never been the same from the day that we came here. That God called us here. God put us here. Why? Because we're part of the church. His church is planted here. The word body is a Greek word. Here's another Greek word. I got two more for you, okay? Is that all right? At least two more. I may have others later, right? I may sneak some Greek words in here and there, that, some, the few that I know. But the word body is the word soma, S-O-M-A, soma. And what it means is a sound whole. You see, the, a body speaks of a sound whole, the wholeness of the body. In other words, the church is to be one. It's a body. It's to be one. It's to be whole. And that word soma comes from another Greek word, sozo. Have you ever heard of the word sozo? Sozo means to be made whole, to be, and, it, and it's used in the context of salvation. Do you know that coming to Jesus is not something you do just to get to go to heaven? Right. It's not like, I got to get my passport so I can go to heaven. No, that's not the way. 
The word sozo, which has the, the, the concept of salvation, it means to be made whole. When a person is saved, that person comes into a spiritual body. They need to come into the body of Christ in the church because that's the intention of God in the process. He wants people to become part of the body of Christ. But that word sozo means to be made whole. You know what comes with that as we're made whole through salvation? Healing. The word sozo speaks of being whole, being healed. Amen? There's supposed to be healing taking place. People should be coming here for healing, not just physical ailments, but emotional and, you know, and, and just relationships and just wholeness. You see, the church is referred to a body because it's a living organism. It's not a structure. It's not an organization. It's an organism. It's living. It's breathing. Just like a human body has systems. How many know that, that we have muscular and skeletal and respiratory and all these other... There's like 11 systems in the human body, right? And, and just the, the, the body of Christ the same way. It's got systems that we have to have. We can't live without. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I, I love God. I just don't want to be a part of organized religion. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? Anybody ever said that yourself, <laughs> right? Well, I don't want to be a part of organized religion either. Okay, let's get that straight. I want to be a part of the answer. I want to be a part of the plan of God. I want to be a part of his plan in the earth. And I want you to understand and know that that's exactly what the church is supposed to be. It is God's answer. Jesus came to establish the church. And it is his answer for us today. It's his answer for the world. It's his plan for the world. You can't love God and not love his church. That's like saying... Well, you know, I love you. I just really don't like your body. I don't like your personality. I don't like, you know, the way you talk. I don't like your hair color. Isn't that kind of like saying that, right? No, you love people for who they are. Well, the church, the church, you know, is made up of people. Yes, we're, go we're you know, everybody says church is full of hypocrites. Yes, we are. And I'm probably the number one. I mean, I don't hope I'm not, but... But the problem is the church is full of people and all of our mistakes and all of our problems and issues. We bring them all into this. And you know something? We share them all with each other. We make a mess of things. But thank God that there is a head of this thing called the church. As his name is Jesus. He is perfect. He doesn't make a mess. And he's always working to make us better. So if you leave the church because the church is imperfect, you'll never find your true home. It's God's plan. It's his plan A. You can't love God without loving his church. I want you to look back at Psalms 92. It says, the righteous man will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. You see... Just like a plant, a person can only flourish in the right soil and in the right environment. I'm going to tell you, I kill about every plant we have at home. 
I am. I don't have a green thumb. <laughs> you know, we just. I'm just sorry. We're not good at it. My wife and I. We try, and they just die. <laughs> you know, but I'm going to tell you that that the church is the right soil for us to be planted in and us to grow in. You know, you can't take a palm tree and put it in Alaska and expect it to grow, right? And you can't take a plant and put it in Steve Johnson's home and expect it to live, okay? It just doesn't happen. But, but I'm going to tell you, every Christian not firmly planted in the church will not flourish. I'll say it again, every Christian not planted in a church will not flourish. Ephesians 4, I want to read to you the environment of the church and what God plants you in in the church. Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is the environment that God plants, that Jesus plants for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He plants us here until we all flourish and grow into this perfect unity, this man that is in the image of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're his body in the earth. Are you hearing me, church? Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. How many know there's plenty of that in the world today? The church protects you from that. Are you hearing me, church? Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things. Who is the head? Christ. Who's the head of this body? Christ. Who's the head of the church? Christ. Who's the one we trust in? Christ. Verse 16, from the whole, from the whole body, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. Now, You are part of this whole body. Listen to this. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. How many know the body of Christ should be edifying itself? You know, we all do things. You know, we have to do things to keep this Keep this thing called the church, keep it moving, keep it flowing, keep it operating. We're not doing it for me. We're not doing it for a building. The church is not a building. It's a people. We're doing it because that is the the mission God has placed and that is why he planted the church. You've got people on Sunday morning that are are blowing off the leaves out on the the front uh, patio and, and, and people coming in and setting up cards on the seat and band and worship team up here practicing and AV team People are, are serving. People are, are, are providing their part, their share. That's what it takes, church. That's what it takes. Why? Because the church is a living, breathing, functioning body. The second image that I want you to see is the, is the church is a house. The church is a house. 
Psalms 92.13 says, Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Church, we have to be planted. If you, if you got like one foot in and one foot out, if you haven't made a commitment to Christ, if you haven't made a commitment to his church, it's kind of like living one foot in, one foot out. You're not planted. You're unstable. The, James says you're unstable in all your ways. Are you hearing me? All Christians, believers are expected by God to be fully planted in the house of God. This is how he blesses you. How many want to be blessed? How many want to live with God's blessings outpouring, his Holy Spirit outpouring? We do that by being firmly planted in his body. There's there's an image I want to give you. It's the image of the sequoia redwood trees. Pastor Tim gave this illustration, I don't know, a couple uh, last year or something in a message, and I thought about it in this message, and the sequoia redwood trees are located in California, and some of the largest, there's one that has been, uh, is known as the largest tree in the earth. It's 275 feet tall. That's almost 30, a 30-story 30 building. It's 25 feet in diameter, and it's approximately 2,500 years old. Now, the root system of these trees, because... It's a forest of these trees. The root systems are fairly shallow, they say. And there's, there's no like tap root. But these trees, the root systems intertwine with each other to give strength. Why don't those trees fall down? They're not deep because the roots are intertwined with each other. Those roots go to the tree next to them and they strengthen it. They each provide nourishment to each other. They help feed each other. Those trees are amazing trees, growing, living for hundreds of years. Why? Because they're sharing, if you will, life together. That's the way the church was described. I got one more Greek word for you, koinonia. The fellowship of the believer. In Acts, it talks about the church, how they continued together in one thing called the fellowship. The fellowship. That word is koinonia. Here's what koinonia means. It means the interweaving of your lives together. It means doing life together. The concept that church is for Sundays and then you go live your life is is such a wrong concept. The church is lives living together with our roots intertwined with each other, nourishing each other, strengthening each other. In, in Ephesians, it says, it says, for the building of ourselves up to encourage one another. That's what the church is to be like, and that's what the church is to look. It doesn't mean we don't go through problems. Every one of us have problems. I have problems. Any of you have problems? Amen. You know, we do. We go through stuff. But you know, when I go through stuff, first, I know that I can go to my God in prayer, but I know that I'm surrounded by people. I'm surrounded by the church. I'm surrounded by God's people that I can text or I can call and say, would you be praying for me? Or when I hear of somebody else, I'll text them, hey, praying for you. Amen? You see, we got to have our lives interwoven together. Jesus taught in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. He says, therefore, 
This is an image of the church as a house. Therefore, if everyone who hears these words of mine and act on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. Those are the problems I'm talking about. The winds come. How many know the rains come? They slam against the house. And yet, it says, it, Jesus said it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Okay? The rock we commonly refer to as Jesus, but I'm going to tell you, it's, it's Jesus and his plan. It's Jesus and his purpose. It's Jesus and what he founded in the earth. The foundation in the earth is the, through the church. Are you hearing me? Okay? The Bible says that the church is the foundation with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Are you hearing me, church? Verse 26 says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The church is a house, and I hope you're building your house on the rock. I'm hoping you're intertwining your root system in life with that that God has provided for you to intertwine it with. The third image I want you to hear today is the church is a family. The title of this message is, What About God's Family? The church is a family. Ephesians 2.19 says, You're no longer foreigners and outsiders, but citizens together with God's people and members of what? God's family. Do you know God has a family? Amen. It's not something I made up. It's God's idea, his family, and it's called the church. His family in the earth is called the church. It's the ecclesia. It's the body of Christ. How many know that, that, that we go to heaven with the church and we become part of the, the great cloud of witnesses? Yes. It's God's family. The cry of every person in the earth is to belong, to be a part of. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing greater than being part of a family, having a family, but there's nothing greater than being part of the family of God, God's family. I recently heard a news broadcast talking about ISIS, you know, that terrorist group, ISIS, and how they recruit young people and how they prey on people that have been isolated either by their countries or by their families or, or been isolated in some way. And they present their terrorist group like a family. They present them as, as come and join us, be a part of our, our family. And they invite them to join. One man uh, that they, that they uh, quoted said he joined, he joined ISIS because his country rejected him. See, that's why kids join gangs. They want to belong. That's why they, they join clubs. People join clubs because they want to belong. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing better 
than belonging to God's family, to belonging to God's body. Yes, I'm going to tell you that there is going to be trouble and difficult. I said I saw everything growing up. I saw the best. I saw the worst. I saw it all growing up. It's going to be present. I'm just going to tell you. We're going to have problems and we're going to be disagreement, disagreeing. But you know, if we learn the same things that, that Fulgrim learned in kindergarten, we learn about sharing and being fair and being nice and, and caring for each other, taking care, doesn't mean we're not going to have bad days. We're going to have them. But people need to belong. There's nothing more wonderful than the love and acceptance of a family. You know, that's why we do growth track. You think, you know, you may think, well, that's just their, you know, their thing. No. Growth track is a way that we can get people to become part of what's going on here so that we can join together and, and, and make a difference in this community. You know, we have growth track step two today. It's really fun. It's the, it's the uh, personality and gift testing. And so stay, stay for it. You'll enjoy it. But I want you to understand that the cry of every person in the earth is to belong. And God has found a way. He's provided a way to belong. Jesus says in John 14, 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. What does that mean? I've provided you a family. Jesus says, I provided you a family. You don't have to be an orphan. You don't have to be out there and isolated without, without people, without others around you. God has provided a way. The church is a family, church. Amen. Church is a family. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up. And There's a story in the book of Luke. Um, chapter 15, verse 11. We call it the story of the prodigal son. How many of you ever heard the story of the prodigal son? I'll give you a quick, I'll tell you quickly what the story is. It's a father has two sons and, and one son comes and says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. And the, the father says, okay, I, he gave it to him. This son goes off and takes his inheritance and he squanders it on what's called prodigal living, which means, the word prodigal means reckless, okay? It, it simply means reckless living. So the son goes off and, and he, he, he spends his inheritance on this reckless and extravagant living and it's all gone. He finds himself living in a, a pig pen, eating what the pigs, they, and one day, all of a sudden he remembers I have a family. I have a father. And I know that my father will feed me better than this if I'll just return to him. So he's the prodigal son. But I want you to see in this story the father because the son travels all the way back. And as he's far away, the father sees him and he runs to the son no matter what the son has done, he's wasted everything that the father gave him. He's wasted his life. The father sees the son and he embraces him and he tells his servants, go get, go get a, a robe, get a, get a ring and put on his finger, kill the fatty calf. We're going to celebrate because he has been gone, but he's come home. Amen. See, there's also in this story, the story of the prodigal father. Because the father... The father, if you will, is reckless or extravagant with his love. 
The son has just wasted everything. But, the God, but this father withholds nothing from him. You see, that's the way our God is with us. He loves us so much, regardless. Regardless of what we've done, what mess we've made of our lives, regardless of how we've blown, we've blown the blessings that he's given us, regardless of what we've done to other people, regardless, God is reckless and extravagant with his love towards us. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. See, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today. Those of you online, maybe there's some of you out there online that have kind of been separate from the church. Maybe you've been one of those that have said, hey, I love God, I just don't like the church. Or maybe those of you here or those online, maybe you, you know of people like that. God's message today, I believe, to all of us is come home. Come home. Join your roots together with the body of Christ. God's saying to you, come home. Return to the family. Return to his purpose and his plan, his desires. You see, Jesus... He offered a sacrifice. He laid down his life. He laid down his life. He gave his life for you, for me. Not just for me, not just for you. He gave his life for us, for all of us. And there are people in your lives right now that you know of. Jesus died for them. People, baby, you don't even like. Jesus died for them. And God's calling people home today. He's calling people to draw close today. He's calling people to come and to interweave their lives together again. You see, Jesus has forgiven, has forgiven all of us. His forgiveness is waiting like the father and the prodigal, like the prodigal father. His forgiveness, his love, his reckless abandon to what he should do. His love, he is waiting for us. God has created a way for us to be closer to him than any other way possible. And that's through interweaving our lives together as a people, as his body, as his church. He's created a way for us to do more. He says, greater things will you do talking about than what he did. How is that to be? Because we interweave our lives together as one, one body, one church. So my call today, my challenge to you is, is come back. Come home. 
Join the body of Christ for good. Become everything. Decide today, I want to be everything, Jesus, that you created me to be.